Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Super Brain. The podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and this is your weekly Super Brain Booster Shot to help you transform your everyday brain into a super brain. Have you been having trouble sleeping during this pandemic? And when you do eventually fall asleep, are you having crazy dreams? Yeah, me too. So this week I thought I'd give you a snapshot of what goes on inside the human brain when we sleep and when we dream. Plus, I'll give you some practical tips to help you boost your sleep. The human brain evolved in a world of cyclical patterns and rhythms determined by the configuration of the Earth's solar system. Tides are driven by the moon's monthly orbit of the Earth and one complete rotation of the Earth on its axis takes 24 hours, giving us the alternating pattern of day and night. The human brain has adapted to this cyclical environment in many ways, the most obvious being our 24-hour sleep-wake cycle. Your body temperature and some hormone secretions also follow a circadian rhythm. Cycles of various durations are found throughout the nervous system and in almost every tissue in the human body. The timing of these rhythms affect numerous critical functions including immunity. You will function best and your immune system when your natural rhythms flow without disruption. Best to work with rather than against your body clocks. And yes, you have multiple body clocks throughout your body and your brain. All of these clocks are proteins that interact in cells. Specific genes make the component parts for the clocks. The clock genes act like cogwheels in a mechanical clock. Activation of the genes involved occurs in a positive-negative cycle, for example, sleepiness and alertness, with the activation of each gene regulated by the last one in the sequence. In the case of circadian rhythms, one cycle takes 24 hours. The timing of sleep is mainly controlled by this internal body clock that cycles between sleepiness and alertness, where you feel either drowsy or energised. For most people, the greatest dip in alertness occurs between 2am and 4am, when most of us are asleep. Another dip occurs after lunch between 1pm and 3pm when many of us feel our eyes drooping and crave a nap. A central pacemaker is strategically located in your brain so that it can receive signals from your optic nerve about the ambient light in your environment. This pacemaker uses the information about light and darkness to synchronise your internal rhythms with your external environment. It uses a hormone called melatonin to communicate its repeating signal of night and day to your brain and to your body. 
Soon after dusk, melatonin is rapidly released into your bloodstream. Now, melatonin doesn't generate sleep or actually have any role in the sleep process. Rather, it's a messenger that runs through your bloodstream, like your mother's voice, permeating the house when you were a kid telling you it's time for bed. Over the course of the night, while you sleep, melatonin gradually dissipates from your system. The absence of melatonin informs your brain and body that it's time to end sleep and resume waking. With dawn, the release of melatonin ceases and remains shut off completely during the hours of daylight until your internal pacemaker triggers the cycle again soon after dusk. This is why managing your exposure to light over each 24-hour period is fundamental to good sleep. The increasing pressure to sleep that you experience as the day progresses is a consequence of a build-up of a brain chemical called adenosine, which requires sleep in order to be cleared from your system. Adenosine plays a critical role in the sleep-wake cycle. As it rises throughout the day, you feel a building pressure to sleep. During the afternoon, its effects are counteracted by your circadian drive for arousal during the day. By late evening, this circadian alerting system slackens off and the hormone melatonin is produced after dusk, calling you to sleep. While you sleep, adenosine gradually dissipates. A few hours before you wake, your circadian rhythm increases its activity, transmitting an alerting signal throughout your brain and your body. The signal builds as the day progresses, reaching its peak in early afternoon. You should feel wide awake throughout the morning due to the combination of a rising circadian alerting signal and low levels of adenosine. However, if you get insufficient sleep, the adenosine won't have fully cleared from your system and you'll feel groggy and tired instead of alert and refreshed. Within the sleep phase of this circadian sleep-wake cycle, you have another rhythm which occurs about every 90 minutes in which deep sleep and rapid eye movement, REM sleep, alternate. Each cycle is different because the ratio between non-REM sleep and REM sleep changes dramatically across the night. During the second half of the night, the amount of time spent in REM sleep when you dream increases. One thing I want to make clear is that REM sleep is normal and so too are the dream states that occur during it. For thousands of years, humans have speculated about what dreams mean. They have been taken as divine communications or been interpreted as messages about unfulfilled desires. Thanks to modern technology, we now see that the dreams, thanks to modern imaging technology, we can now see that dreams originate in our brains. During non-REM sleep, there is a moderate decrease in brain activity compared to when we are awake but resting. Also during non-REM sleep, we see synchronistic patterns of electrical activity as new memories are embedded across the brain. In stark contrast, REM sleep mimics the activity of your brain when it's awake. When an individual enters REM sleep while being monitored in an MRI scanner, four clusters of brain activity are observed when dreaming begins. In visual regions at the back of your brain, in movement regions of the brain, in the hippocampus, which is a part of your brain involved in autobiographical memory or memory for episodes from your life, and in areas deep in your brain that generate emotions. 
In contrast, areas of your brain that are normally involved in rational and logical thinking while you're awake become deactivated during REM sleep. The activation of the hippocampus and the amygdala during REM sleep means that emotional memories are being reactivated during REM sleep. Noradrenaline is a stress-related chemical released in your brain. It's a little bit like adrenaline released in your body. Um, it's associated with um, stress and um, anxiety. Now, rather interestingly, the only time during the entire 24-hour cycle that noradrenaline is shut off is during REM sleep. Matthew Walker, sleep scientist and author of Why We Sleep, suggests that dreaming serves two purposes. One, to remember, and two, to forget. So to take the first one, sleeping to remember. In the early part of sleep, when non-REM sleep is predominant, new memories are processed and strengthened. In the latter part of the night, when REM sleep predominates, this new information and events from your day are integrated with existing knowledge and past experiences. While you sleep, your brain blends all of this information together and looks for patterns and rules and commonalities. Without interference from your logical, rational brain during REM sleep, everything is thrown into the mix in an associative way that facilitates thinking outside the box. It also promotes creativity, innovation and problem solving. So the old adage, sleep on it, when referring to finding a solution for a problem, is supported by neuroscience. Your dream state doesn't reverse instantaneously when you wake up. So from a creative perspective, you can harness that. I know I do when it comes to writing. I often find that I can write best on waking or that I wake up with the solution to a problem. The second purpose that Walker ascribes to REM dream sleep is to forget, specifically to dissolve the painful emotional aspects of our experiences. Walker describes dream sleep as a form of self-therapy where REM sleep creates a safe environment to look at emotional episodes or concerns without the pain of emotion. I certainly remember having very vivid emotional dreams when my dad died suddenly. I also remember being unable to think about him or talk about him or even see, you know, an older man who was dressed similar. My dad always wore um a cap and a sort of like a beige mac and it, it's in a way it's a bit of a um, uniform for for older men where I live and um yeah I couldn't even see someone like that on the street uh without buckling with the weight of my own grief but over time that changes um and you eventually get to a point where you can remember um the person that you love without heartbreaking pain now, Walker argues that um, it is time plus our dreams that get us to this point. Um, he argues that without REM sleep and this reprocessing of um, emotional memories, uh, without the presence of noradrenaline, the anxiety inducing um, chemical, we can hold on to important memories but actually distance them um, from the emotion so that we can then actually hold on to these memories without experiencing the pain. 
So in a sense, REM sleep allows us to decouple important memories from painful emotions over time. One researcher, Dr. Rosalind Cartwright, she's a dream researcher and she studied people who were showing signs of depression as a consequence of incredibly difficult emotional experiences. She researched the content of their dreams while they were living through these emotional challenges. Some people involved in the study actively dreamt about their painful experiences while living through them, while others had dreams unrelated to the emotional experiences. Now, rather interestingly, when these people were followed up a year after the initial study, those who actively dreamt about the painful experiences had no clinical signs of depression. In contrast, those who were dreaming but not dreaming of the event itself we're still experiencing depression. Really what I'm talking about is based on research that has been collected to date. What we do know is, you know, that you don't come out of your dream state um, immediately on waking. So if you're actively dreaming about a painful experience, um, you may be left with a dream state hangover. And I think that's something that's happening to quite a few of us at the moment. We're having very stressful d- dreams as our brain is trying to process some of the things that we're going through um, during this pandemic. I've personally experienced it Uh, where I wake with a very low mood or feeling very distressed over something that's happened in one of my vivid COVID-19 dreams. Um, So on those mornings, um, I have to actively work on shifting my mood. Otherwise, it can cloud my whole day. And um, I think that it is important to actively acknowledge that this is just a dream that you had, that it is not a reality, that yes, it does leave you with an emotional feeling, but that you have the power to shift that. One good way to do that is actually to take exercise because um, exercise is a great way to release some feel-good hormones. It will also help you to sleep better at night if you've been struggling with sleep. Try smiling too or switch your mood up. Um, I've spoken earlier in podcasts about the power of laughter and smile. Here's the question. Why are so many people experiencing difficulty sleeping during this pandemic and what can we do about it? Well, if you're having trouble sleeping, the first thing you need to do is quit worrying about it. Instead, take some practical steps to improve your sleep. Because if you start worrying about it, then you get into this whole vicious cycle of worrying about the fact that you're not sleeping and that worry will actually raise your stress hormones and prevent you from sleeping. If you haven't fallen asleep within 20 to 30 minutes of going to bed, then get up and do something different. But make sure it's something calming like listening to music or reading a book or listening to a podcast, not watching TV or scrolling on media. Another important thing to remember is that your brain thrives on regularity and routine. This pandemic and the associated social distancing measures have completely disrupted most of our routines. And this, of course, is going to interfere with our sleep and and can do so in lots of different ways. For example, if you're working for home, instead of a 60 minute commute, um, you can now be at your desk in five minutes. Before COVID-19, perhaps you regularly got up at 6.30 a.m. to shower, have breakfast before leaving at 7 to catch the 7.20 bus or train to work. You might be loving the fact that you don't have to get up with the birds and are enjoying sleeping on till 8am or even 9am. The thing is, if you're waking later, then you can't expect to fall asleep at your usual time. Whatever extra time you're sleeping on in the morning will push out your bedtime. So, 
you might think you should be heading up to bed at 11 p.m. as you've always done, but you feel wide awake. And then you go up to bed and you toss and you turn and you become stressed because you can't get to sleep. And, you know, a bit of a vicious cycle starts to begin. Another reason, you know, that your your sleep could be uh, disrupted is that maybe your kids are home from school all day. Without stimulation, they may not be, without stimulation and physical exercise, they may not be tired at their usual bedtime. And perhaps it feels a bit like a holiday and so the kids are staying up later and then you still want your me time or time alone with your partner after they go to bed and you find that you know you're all staying up much later than you would pre-pandemic but the nature of your job maybe when you're working from home means that you still have to get up at the usual time so um, essentially you've been actually shortchanging yourself on sleep um, and if that goes on for a long time that will have knock-on effect on your um, on your health and also on your stress levels. Also, you know, if you're one of the many people who've lost their jobs being temporarily laid off or furloughed, um, be wary of oversleeping. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, the guidelines are that we need to sleep on average between seven and nine hours. Um, of course, there's people at the tail ends of those, but sleeping any more than that, you know, 10, 11 hours um, is really not good and it's going to disrupt your sleep overall. Best thing you can do is give your brain a helping hand and still follow your old routine. Use the time that you used to spend commuting to do something else. Um, be a great time to exercise. Alternatively, you could meditate or you could prepare food for lunch or dinner. If you're struggling to get to sleep or you're experiencing uh, broken sleep, then stress is also a possible culprit. And actually, in these times, most likely a culprit. At the moment, there are just stressors coming at you and me and everybody from all sorts of angles. First of all, um, there's the virus itself and anxiety and worries around infection for yourself and for your loved ones in high-risk groups in nursing homes or working on the front line so much at this point is unknown and unknowable and that in itself can be very stressful uncertainty then often brings anxiety with it um, then there's the social distancing measures that have been imposed on us. We can't socialize or go to the gym which may be ways that we managed our stress in the past. Social isolation measures are also bringing about all sorts of family strain. Um, perhaps you can't be with the one that you love or perhaps you're having to spend 24 hours a day with a partner um, or housemates that you usually only spend a couple of hours uh, with each evening and tempers are frayed and people are irritable. For others, the stress can be physical, mental or emotional abuse. And if you're in that situation, please reach out and call some helplines um, and get the proper support and assistance um, that you need. Other stressors include additional work pressures like working from home or difficulties concentrating, difficulties trying to work while you're also looking after your kids, no childminders, um, the added strain of homeschooling. On top of all this, then there's also economic concerns and job losses and fears and worries about whether there'll be work to come back to, money going forward. Self-isolation, cocooning and quarantining can be very low and can lead to depression and cause sleep problems. So, um, gosh, I really don't want to depress people with all those things. But the point being um, that if you take all of those on board without managing stress properly, they're going to interfere with your sleep. Um, I've given lots of tips in a previous episode um, 
uh, on how to manage stress during COVID-19 and suggest that you look at those for tips on managing stress. But I just want to say here that the degree to which stress impacts on sleep is not the same for everyone. Sleep reactivity is a trait-like degree to which exposure to stress disrupts sleep. So people with highly reactive sleep system, they experience a drastic deterioration of sleep when they're stressed. So they may have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. Now, people with low sleep reactivity, you know, when they're stressed, their sleep patterns just aren't affected. Um, so uh, various factors influence um, the type of sleep reactivity you have. Um, it's down to genetics. If you're female, you're more likely um, to have high sleep reactivity. If you have a family history of uh, insomnia, you're also more likely to have high sleep reactivity. Stress and sleep are inextricably linked. Uh, the more stress you have, the less sleep you'll have. The less sleep you have, the more stressed you'll become. So Insufficient sleep at night boosts your stress hormones. The brain chemicals connected with deep sleep are the same ones that tell the body to stop producing stress hormones. So if you're not getting deep sleep, those stress hormones are not being suppressed. Instead of shutting them down, your body keeps pumping these stress hormones um, if you don't get sufficient sleep. Um, and then also your stress hormones can peak in the afternoon and the evening and they can prevent you from getting to sleep. Managing exposure to light is also critical. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, open the curtains, um, you know, the shutters, whatever you have, so that you can get exposure to natural daylight on waking. Um, try to get at least an hour each day out in the daylight. I know if you're self-isolating or cocooning or quarantining, that might be challenging, but step out on your balcony for an hour, stick your head out the window, stand at your hall door, get out your back garden. You need light. Your brain needs light to determine your sleep-wake cycle. Start to gradually dim the lights after you've had dinner in the evening and um, gradually getting down to low lights. So your brain starts to realize um, that it is coming to nighttime or actually that nighttime has al already um, arrived and so melatonin can be released. Try and avoid using anything that emits a blue light for about an hour before bed. So your laptop, your iPhone, etc. Get an old school alarm clock for your bedroom so that you're not turning on a blue light to check the time. In fact, actually, you know, if you don't need an alarm clock, get all clocks out of your room. If you're really struggling with sleep, clock watching is only going to make matters worse. Uh, before you go to sleep, make sure that your room is really, really dark for sleeping. Be safe and use low lights for bathrooms. Try and avoid turning on bright lights to go to the bathroom. And also try and avoid, you know, switching on bright bathroom lights immediately before you go to sleep to brush your teeth. You know, do it in lower level light or do it a bit earlier in the evening. Temperature is also critical. So you've got to make sure that your room temperature is a cool temperature. Your core body temperature needs to drop by about one degree um, in order for you to be able to go to sleep. So turn off any heating in the house um, an hour before bed. Um, and actually, you know, if you are struggling uh, with sleep, consider having a hot bath. It sounds counterintuitive, but it will actually help to reduce your core body temperature. Now, I'm conscious that because a lot of people are working from home, they may actually have to um, make their bedroom double as a home office. Um, if that's the case, then consider trying to find ways to screen off your workspace from your bed. Use a blanket. Uh, you know, if you have a screen, absolutely great. Use a blanket or a throw um, 
Alternatively, consider moving anything associated with work out of your bedroom at night. Try and make sure that you can't see anything from work or anything that could stress you from your bed. Getting physically active is absolutely brilliant way to uh, promote sleep. If you are cocooning, try and find ways to stay active within your home, within your own back garden. Lots of online stuff. Do stuff that makes you happy, um, you know, dance, whatever. But you do need to get physical exercise. You need to be tired to sleep, physically tired. Avoid stimulants in the evening is absolutely critical. Try not to drink caffeine um, after mid-afternoon. Avoid alcohol too close to bedtime. Uh, I know that's a challenge at the moment. And I know all the stats are suggesting that we're all drinking an awful lot more alcohol than we usually would. And a lot of people are using it, I suppose, in a way to self-medicate or to de-stress or even actually as a tool to help them go to sleep. But the thing is, with alcohol, even though it might make you sleepy and you fall asleep, um, the thing is, after a few hours, you will wake up and you may find it even harder to get back to sleep. Furthermore, um, alcohol actually doesn't induce sleep. It just acts like a sedative. So it switches off your brain and um, you don't get the benefits of true restorative sleep. You're not getting your cycles of non-REM and REM sleep that are absolutely critical to your health and to your well-being. So that's all for this edition of Super Brain. Um, for regular updates and bonus materials, follow Super Brain Podcast on Instagram and at Sabina underscore Brennan on Twitter. If you have any questions or if you'd like me to cover any particular topics, please send me messages there. Or you can email me on info at superbrain.ie. Subscribe to Superbrain on Acast, Apple, Podbean or Spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts. And remember, if you loved it, rate it, review it and share it. My name is Sabina Brennan and you've been listening to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>